0: That of Prince Alex, welcome to the Blue Collar Dynasty Podcast. We're busting our backs, getting our jeans dirty, and playing next man up Dynasty Football. We're giving you an In the Trenches Dynasty Talk every week. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at BornFootball, that's B-O-R-N-E Football. This week, we're talking Making the Cut, Trading Frenzy, and Dynasty Foreset. For sight, <laughs> let's get to it. All right, as you can tell, it's a solo pod today. Um, we're starting ourselves off with making the cut. So, this is a little segment, um, about which of the three players um, we're going to present three players, which of those three are going to make our roster in, in each scenario. So, we're Two can make the roster. One must be cut. So who is who is making the cut in each scenario? In scenario one, we've got a trio of rookies, rookie running backs, that is. Starting us off with Israel Abanaconda, New York Jets, running back Sean Tucker, Tampa Bay, Eric Gray, New York Giants. So... Israel Bonaconda, Sean Tucker, Eric Gray, who is making the cut. I would say each of these guys has a opportunity to be the backup in their roles. In Israel's case, Izzy's case, as they call him, he is in a stacked running back room in with the Jets they've got a number of good quality running backs and, and those running backs would probably be starting over him. um, Even if Brees Hall were to miss time, Izzy is a developmental type guy. So if he's going to do something, he's got to do it this year to show that he, he can become um, more than what people think he's probably got the best draft capital of the three, but Eric Gray is also a day three guy. Um he's for the New York Giants. He's probably got the better role. There's only one guy, Matt Barita, in his way in in the Giants camp a- as far as things appear right now. And so he'd be the first guy up after Saquon Barkley. So he is he's definitely the first guy that makes this roster in my mind. Now that being said He's also the lesser talent of all three of these guys. Sean Tucker went undrafted, but he's in a good spot in Tampa Bay where he could potentially compete. He had a good um, showing in college. He fell out of the draft due to injury concerns. So assuming everything is good in the health side, I like Sean Tucker's situation better than Izzy's situation. I am going to bet on talent, though, in Izzy's case. So I'm going to keep Izzy. Eric Gray, I like his position the best, but he's my least favorite talent. I think I'm going to dump Eric Gray in this situation. I I thought I'd keep him, but I talked myself out of it. (laughs) Um, Scenario two, who makes the cut of the three tight ends? Dawson Knox, Moally Cox, Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper's Las Vegas, Mo'Ally Cox, Indianapolis Colts, and Dawson Knox is Buffalo. Each of these three has a younger, perhaps more talented up and comer on their roster. Buffalo, that's Dalton Kincaid. Indianapolis, Jelani Woods. Las Vegas, that's Michael Mayer. So two rookies and a second year guy in Jelani Woods. I am most afraid of the draft capital with Dart Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox feels like the odd man out. However, I think they're gonna run a 12 personnel here. Dawson Knox being the blocker, the the higher quantity blocker, Dalton Kincaid being the high higher quantity receiver, but there is room in this offense for Dawson Knox to receive the same number of passes and touchdowns that he has in past seasons compared with despite, I should say, Dalton Kincaid coming on board. So I think Dawson Knox is going to be more overlooked than he should be but at the tight end position that's not saying much as soon as you're not the guy on your team as a tight end it's not it's not likely that you're going to be worth draft capital or a starting role on a dynasty roster um I, I think it's more likely this season for fantasy purposes that Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox cancel each other out than that Dalton Kincaid does better than Dawson Knox or that Dawson Knox is not involved. So he's got a new new ish contract. He's only, I think, one year into his new contract of three years. So I I don't mind Dawson Knox um as as a stash to see what happens, I'm keeping him on my roster, but he's definitely edging towards a drop candidate. All three of these guys are drop um, are borderline drop candidates and have been for the last year. They're edge of rosters, and that's really where we're talking right now. Moali Cox, he's nicknamed uh, fantasy footballers is Gigantor. He's a massive dude, and yet Jelani Woods, the person coming on board, um, he came on board last year, hopefully takes a step forward in year two. He's even bigger than Mo'Ally Cox. And we just want to see some big tight end in Indianapolis catch passes. They have a new rookie QB, Anthony Richardson, I like the tight end position in Indianapolis for this year, being that tight ends are rookies' best, rookie best friend, rookie QB's best friends. Moali Cox is definitely making my roster. Now, last guy, Austin Hooper is going to be my cut. Las Vegas Raiders. Um, he he's new on this roster. He is going to be behind Michael Mayer most likely on the depth chart. Going in. Michael Mayer's a pretty decent blocker in addition. Well good enough to hopefully get on the field. Um, so we'll we'll need to see what happens there. But I would be keeping Dawson Knox, Mo Alley Cox as the two tight ends here on the edge of my roster. Austin Hooper would be off, especially because Las Vegas just isn't it isn't a place that I am excited about fantasy wise in terms of the amount of points that they'll score as a team. All right. Scenario three we've got Elk Pierce, Indianapolis Colts, KJ Osborne, Minnesota, Van Jefferson, Los Angeles Rams. All three are wide receivers. Elk Pierce is a second year guy. KJ Osborne is a is I think a th- fourth year guy coming into he's coming into his fourth year here. Um so he'll be off his rookie contract come next year. And then Van Jefferson is I believe in the same boat as well in in the Rams wide receiver room. Elk Pierce, he's again he's got a rookie quarterback in Indianapolis. Um and then he's also got Josh Josh Downs to deal with now um, the new rookie KJ Osborne has Jordan Addison to deal with first round rookie um, Josh Downs a second round rookie Van Jefferson has a QB is QB uh, is Matt Stafford is coming off injury and he's got a few rookies as well as Tutu Atwell there in the Rams camp I think the Rams Van Jefferson's role is, I think, bigger. Has, I should say, has the potential to be bigger than the other two insofar as there's less competition, right? The rookies, Tutu Atwell, none of them have great draft capital for on this team. And I expect Van Jefferson to, continue to be involved as, as a wide receiver, um, two or three on this team. Um, KJ Osborne is definitely the three on his team in Minnesota. And, but that draft capital from Jordan Addison does scare me where I think, I think he's going to struggle to keep up with Jordan Addison for that number two role, um, which is, been valuable in Minnesota for the past five or so years so I expect KJ Osborne to lose that battle and take a job somewhere else next year um Alec Pierce I don't like his outlook because he's battling to be the number two as well Josh Downs doesn't necessarily scare me in the slot um that's really the role that they're fighting over there But it's really the rookie quarterback that scares me. That being said, Alec Pierce showed enough last year. K.J. Osborne showed enough last year. Van Jefferson is going to end up being my cut candidate here because he is is the one that has, has not shown enough with his opportunities They've always tried to put somebody over him. And I don't think he's going to be keeping, you know, keeping his job as a, I, I don't think he's going to be giving you anything in terms of ceiling. His ceiling is low. So he's a low, low ceiling, probably the lowest floor. But again, we're talking, this would be your sixth, seventh wider receiver on your roster, hopefully. Alec Pierce is in his second year, second year wide receivers. That's really where you want them. I, I think you'd be trading Alec Pierce away. Certainly not dumping him off your roster at this point. Let's go to scenario four. Um, hopefully we're dealing with the third quarterback on your team here. We've got Sam Howell, Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield. Who do we want? Um, Sam Howell's Washington's declared starter, Jimmy Garoppolo's Las Vegas's declared starter, and Baker Mayfield in Tampa Bay competing with Kyle Trask. Who would we want, and who is going to be cut? I believe in Baker Mayfield after last season, and I think that's an issue. <laughs> I think I'm going to be disappointed, but I also really don't think that Kyle Trask has what he needs to beat Baker Mayfield out. I think this is Baker Mayfield's job, and we just haven't figured it out yet. So that being said, Sam Howell, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Sam Howell is younger. We don't know what Sam Howell is yet. He could be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Yet, Jimmy Garoppolo, we know what he is. He's injury prone. He is, the, hopefully that's not true anymore coming out of San Francisco where all of the QBs seem to get injured every year. But I don't think he's got the ceiling that you're going to want that you could get out of Baker Mayfield or Sam Howell with their talent base. Um, I think Jimmy Garoppolo has shown us that he's just not that dude. And so Jimmy Garoppolo would be my cut candidate here. If it was a two QB league, I'd probably be trying to trade Jimmy. We're done with our scenarios from from the uh, making the cut segment. And now we're on to segment two, which is trading frenzy. All right, first scenario for trading frenzy. So what we're doing here, we are showing you a trade scenario and then discussing what we like, what we don't like and then ultimately deciding on which side we're leaning. So, scenario 1 is actually a trade that I made. I won't tell you who which side I was on until till the end, okay? Side A Devonta Smith, wide receiver Philadelphia, and then side B, Michael Pittman, wide receiver in Indianapolis, Jared Judy, wide receiver Denver. Whose side are we on? So what I like about the Devonta Smith side, I like his youth. I like his skill. The team is great. It is fairly pass-happy though there is a decent amount of running that that goes on, especially at the quarterback position. But there is enough volume. We saw him be the ninth best wide receiver last year. So he's definitely got juice. I don't know that we've seen the best of Devonta Smith, but I also fear the limits placed on his abilities because of the existence of A.J. Brown on this team. So that's my, that's what I like. That's what I don't like. Devonta Smith. I don't know that he's a top 12 wide receiver every year. I think, I think he's probably more of that wide receiver two category. Side B, we've got Michael Pittman and Jerry Judy. What I like about Michael Pittman is that he has an opportunity as a number one on his team to really blow up finally, hopefully, maybe. He has not fully stepped up into that role. He's not fully realized that if he doesn't this year, he's going to be considered a ceiling player in my mind. He's not a guy. He's not the guy. um, He's not somebody that you would be able to rely on, but that's not the scenario this year. This year, it's his last go at really becoming a fantasy superstar, (laughs) but he's limited by the ability or inability to do that. Well, he's limited by in his ability to do that by the rookie quarterback. This is the third time we've talked about the rookie quarterback in Indianapolis, Anthony Richardson. He's a running quarterback. He's not even one of the, the most pass-happy. And so that really scares me off of all of the weapons on his team. That doesn't mean he can't surprise us, but I I do think Michael Pittman's ceiling is low this year. And so if his ceiling is low, then this might be really a trade looking toward the future but devonta smith is definitely younger than michael pittman so and then we got jerry judy another guy older than devonta smith he's probably the guy on his team at this point he's got a new coach sean payton who really could help the russell wilson situation i love jerry judy I think Jerry Judy has the higher or the highest ceiling out of these three. I think Devonta Smith is maybe number two, and Michael Pittman is maybe number three. Um, That being said, the ceiling of Pittman, I would say would be wide receiver 12, probably. Um, That's if everything goes perfectly. I think reasonably, I expect Michael Pittman to probably finish Top 20, so wide receiver 20, I would say, would be my projection on Michael Pittman, just off the cuff. So I will tell you now which side of this I was on. I was on side B. I received Michael Pittman and Jerry Judy. I traded off of Devonta Smith. I was hoping that basically by trading high on Devonta Smith, and getting two other very similar, in my mind, assets at the wide receiver position, I could actually I could actually double my profit in a way where at the end of the season, Jerry Judy is all of a sudden worth more than Devonta Smith, and then I also have Michael Pittman with whatever he is. Um, that's kind of the way I see it working out. We'll see if that happens. Scenario two in the trading frenzy, side A, Derek Henry running back for Tennessee, side B, Isaiah Pacheco running back Kansas City, uh, and Wandell Robinson, wide receiver, New York Giants, and he is coming off of an ACL tear, um, which does scare me off of this. So side A is clearly the win now. Side B is clearly the win later. That being said, Isaiah Pacheco might not be the best win later guy, um, being that they really didn't spend much on him. So his draft capital doesn't tend to lead me to believe that they're going to keep him around for a very long time. Um, Now, I don't think that's a hard road to see him sticking around till next year, but it does does lead me to have some worry in my mind. So looking at Wandell Robinson, I don't expect him to do much this year after an ACL tear. I expect the player to basically be worthless and then I'll, I'll be present pleasantly surprised if I get anything out of them. Um, so really that's a 2024 play for me in Wand, Wandell Robinson. Then Derek Henry, um, you know, we've been saying this for years, but I finally think that this is his last year as a major contributor. Um, so this is a one-year rental, per se. So I I do think I like the Isaiah Pacheco, Pondell Robinson side of this because really it's Pacheco's existence on the Kansas City Chiefs uh, roster. He catches a lot of balls. He is he was prolific last year, and I think he can be more or so this year. They barely brought McKinnon back, but I think I think he can still he's still going to have some some passes taken away from him by Jarek McKinnon. I do think that he's gonna be the lead dog. It, it would be a little bit outrageous to say that he's going to score more points than Derek Henry but if i was not if i was trying to compete or if i wasn't trying to compete side b is a flexible place to be in you get two young players you get wandell robinson hopefully coming back next year to be a primary wide receiver for the giants and you get a good starter this year in pacheco who could even be a starter beyond this year you know, we're really talking about the low end RB1 with Pacheco in my mind. So, Derek Henry, high end RB1. I can see this trade being good for the person on side A that gets Derrick Henry. But I'm going to actually take side B because of the flexibility that it gives me and the longevity. Scenario three, side A is Kenny Pickett. Jamal Williams, T. Higgins, Pat Fryermuth, Side B, Justin Fields, Miles Sanders, Quentin Johnston, and Dawson Knox. So Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh Steelers, Jamal Williams, New Orleans Saints, T. Higgins, Cincinnati Bengals, Pat Fryermuth, Pittsburgh Steelers, Justin Fields, Chicago Bears, Miles Sanders, Carolina Panthers, Quinton Johnston, Los Angeles Chargers, Dawson Knox, Buffalo Bills. So, side A has the worst quarterback. Kenny Pickett is lesser than Justin Fields. Lower ceiling, lower floor, honestly. Um, Jamal Williams is the lesser running back. I think he was... He benefited a lot last year from touchdowns. I think that regression is likely to come. He's good on the goal line. But I do that's not to say I don't like his spot in New Orleans. I think his spot is good. I just think that Miles Sanders is the better talent and the better um and slightly better position in Carolina. So I would still give the edge to side B with Miles Sanders over Jamal Williams. Side A t higgins compared with Quentin johnston um i don't think there's any way that you can say that t higgins isn't the better talent there and the better um player in for fantasy but Quentin johnston is kind of that he could be anything part of this trade so i think he's really the the movable object in someone's mind in this trade. He either makes this a horrible trade or a great trade. And then on the, at the tight end position in this trade, Pat Fryermuth or Dawson Knox, I'm taking Pat Fryermuth, but it is an interesting dilemma here because both of these teams actually drafted a tight end this year. So, we think about Dawson Knox and um, and his having to deal with Dalton Kincaid, but Pat Fryermuth was joined by Darnell Washington as well. Now, Darnell Washington was selected in the third round compared with the first round, but he's still a day-two guy that the Steelers picked up. That's still pretty good draft capital for a tight end. Darnell Washington was my number one. He's 21 years old. He he's been seen by some as a developmental guy. I don't see him that way, but I do trust the coaches in the NFL. Um, if if they all thought Dalton Kincaid was the better pass catcher and the better um, tight end all around, okay I can I can accept that but i do think darnell washington is going to have a role here in this offense and as a as a big guy he he does offer something he's 6-7 264 a freaking giant compared with pat fryermouth he's a measly 6-5 258 so you know he's just a little bit bigger than pat Fryermuth. and i I don't think I think Pat Fryermuth has done more than Dawson Knox in his career to show that he is in fact a, a good tight end and and they've both Pat's Pat Fryermuth has had two years in the NFL PPR he was number eight um, one year and thirteen the next and then and then Dawson Knox he was. He was number fourteen last year, number eight the year before in PPR. So um, he did a little bit better in standard, actually, because of those touchdowns. So they actually production wise, I I think they are fairly comparable. Um, in their in their careers, Dawson Knox has been out one more year than Pat Fryermuth has, but I. Dawson Knox has also gotten another contract. Friar is still very much on his rookie deal. So this is an interesting dilemma. I, I guess I would e- equal them to each other um, in a lot of ways. And so that really leaves the question as far as what is the gap between T. Higgins and Quinton Johnston in this trade? Is it as big as the gap between Justin Fields and Kenny Pickett? as well as Jamal Williams and Miles Sanders. I don't see the gap between Jamal Williams and Miles Sanders as all that large. Um, I think we're talking probably a maximum of 10 slots as far as RB finish, which is just significant, but I think that's the maximum. I mean, they could be neck and neck. Um, T. Higgins, Clinton Johnston, was a huge believer in Quentin Johnston coming in, um, to the draft cycle. I faded him late. He, and actually, I, I decided to pass him up. I, I had two picks right in the middle of the first round in one of my drafts, and I let him pass me on both. I selected wide receiver, but I selected Say Flowers and I selected Jordan Addison over him. I see Quinton Johnston's position as he's still waiting for somebody to give up their starting spot on his team. He needs Mike Williams or Keenan Allen to, to seed their slot, but really he's, he's kind of neither of them. Um, He's a little bit more of a possession route runner type of guy who is bigger, but he's not as big as Mike Williams. And he's certainly not, the go up and get it, com- um, competitive catch type of guy, like Mike Williams is. Um, to give you comparison, of course, sleepers decided that Quentin Johnston is actually six four. He he did come in smaller than that. Um, you know, some of the other reports were six three. I've seen as low as six one for Quinton Johnston. Apparently, we can't measure people anymore. Um, but Mike Williams is is solidly six four confirmed, and they're about the same weight. Mike Williams twenty eight, Keenan Allen thirty one. I see Quinton Johnston having a different role than the two of these guys, and and actually, the position of wide receiver on the lost Los Angeles chargers actually changing um, when Quentin Johnston's um, a starter basically. So I don't, I don't think that T Higgins is worse than Quinton Johnston though. And I, I also don't see his ceiling as lower T Higgins. This is a I believe a contract year for him. Um, and, he's going to be someone that can um, maybe find a new place where he's the number one on a team. Um, Yes, it is his, it is his contract year. This is his fourth season and yeah, I, I hope to see him on a new, on a new year, but a, a new, a new team next year, but they might, Give them the franchise tag and keep them around. I don't. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I. I do think side B wins here. Um, being just that, that Justin Fields' difference to Kenny Pickett is really where the side B wins out. Um, but if you're taking side A, you're getting some solid choices at every single position. So I. I do. It's not that I dislike that. It's that side B has a little bit more upside than side A. Scenario four, last of our scenarios in this segment, side A, Cooper Cup, Nick Chubb. Side B, George Pickens, Jameer Gibbs. So side A is an older side. Side B is the younger side. George Pickens, number one on his team. Jameer Gibbs, number one running back on his team. Cooper Cup, number one wide receiver. Nick Chubb, number one running back. So we're really not competing for any slots. Nick Chubb might get some people worked in, but really, he's the guy right now. We we don't know what's happening with that backup position in Cleveland, um, nor do I really care. He's been great, even with a solid backup. So where do we really see these guys? Well, Cooper Cup is is definitely a top wide receiver, right? There's no world where one season of Cooper Cup is worth two or three of what George Pickens did last year. No way. You'd take the season of Cooper Cup all day. So George Pickens, definitely a lesser, lesser guy in Dynasty for me compared to Cooper Cup. I don't. I don't think Cooper Cup has many years left in him, but he's still he's still better than than George Pickens in my mind. So then it's really Nick Chubb compared with Jameer Gibbs. I do think looking at it right now, the talent of Jameer Gibbs, the landing spot, the youth, Nick Chubb last season. Can he last the whole season? Is he going to Is he going to have a running mate there? They've always given him a running mate. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Nick Chubb. I do think I like Jameer Gibbs better um, than Nick Chubb. It's very slight, though. I will say that I'm going to go youth here, side B, George Pickens, Jameer Gibbs. If you don't win this year, you could win next year. George Pickens could become a name that we talk about in the first round of Dynasty Startups um, after this season. This is his second season. He showed something last year. He's one of the sneakiest, in my mind, um, second-year guys, and he could really, really be um, someone who surprises us. So I, I like that side B, George Pickens, Jameer Gibbs. All right, our third segment is the dynasty forecast, who do we think, What is? what do we think the lineup is in each of these rooms, in each of these position groups? So we're going to go, we grabbed one team, one position out of out of each division in the NFL. So, for example, out of the AFC East, we grabbed the Miami running back room. So that's who we're starting off with. So who do we have? We've got Devon A. Chain, the rookie, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, the two experienced guys, Salvin Ahmed, and Miles Gaskin. I tried to only include those guys that actually might be relevant. Um, so so some did get cut off all these lists, though. You might wonder in some contexts uh, whether that is true, but it is true. I cut some off. Um <laughs> It's really here. What do we think Devon A-Chain is going to be able to do as a rookie with the incumbents of Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson? Raheem Mostert had 180 t- attempts last year. Jeff Wilson had 80 attempts. Salvin Ahmed, one good game in the last couple of years. Myles Gaskin, two, he was decent two years ago. I I don't think either of those two guys really play a role. Um, so what can a chain do he he is a talent he's a kind of that he was in that second sorry he was in that third tier for me in terms of running backs where you know it's kind of that flexible area he was high in the beginning low in the end and I still think a chain is a good enough rookie talent to be able to do something with opportunity that's really what I was saying in that in that piece is that if he's given the opportunity, he will be good. I've never seen a running back in a San Francisco style offense, um, stay healthy the whole year. So I think health will play a major role. Both Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson have major, um, injury histories, or, or at least they've, they've had a lot of injuries in the past few years. I think I like, Raheem Mostert the most in terms of he's going to be the incumbent starter um, with Jeff Wilson as his backup, but then A-Chain's got to find a way to beat these guys out. I think he's, A-Chain's a guy that comes on late in the year. So I, I, think, I think we're going to see Mostert as the number one guy here, the most carries on the year, with A-Chain number two, and really pushing Jeff Wilson out by the end of the year at three. So I think that's the way it stacks up. I do think we're going to be disappointed with what a chains able to do in his rookie year, just because of the clog on the roster. Um, but Mike McDaniels likes to use one main back and a secondary back. So I think a chain by the end of the year is able to claim that main back role, but I think, Raheem Mostert holds it for long enough to really have the most attempts and the most fantasy points. All right, next up, we've got the Cleveland wide receiver room. We've got Amari Cooper. He's a possession guy. Elijah Moore, slot guy. Donovan Peoples-Jones, a big guy. Cedric Wilson, big guy. David Bell, average size, second year. Marquise Goodwin, speed guy. Anthony Schwartz, speed guy. What did we learn? Amari Cooper number one wide receiver in this room i don't see that changing Mari's always been an up and down guy i think they need to give some more answers to deshaun watson in the passing game last year deshaun watson had only 184 yards per game uh, on average that's that's dismal that that means I don't even know that one guy in this room is is fantasy relevant. That's not true. Amari Cooper would probably be relevant on that. Um, so that number has to go up for any relevance to Pierce beyond Amari Cooper. I do think Amari Cooper is the number one. I don't see that changing. Maybe next year that changes, but really this year we're talking about who is that number two guy? Is it Elijah Moore? Can he do enough from the slot? Um, could it be Donovan Peoples Jones that we finally see? David Bell could he do something? And then we've got Cedric Tillman as the rookie coming in. Is he is he the dude that really changes things? He was a good talking point, really kind of that second third tier wide receiver talent that people thought could go as high as the second round. Um, he did end up going on day two, and and I I did like. Cedric Tillman. Um, I think I was higher on him at the beginning of the process. I think by the end, you know, I think I I think a lot of the big guys in this class scared me because they weren't good enough to beat out the slot guys, right? The the slot guys are the ones that showed the talent, and yet the big guys were rising up draft boards because they were the big guys of the class. They were the only guys that could do contested catches and Cedric Tillman is that guy. He, unlike someone like Quentin Johnston, who's contested has been labeled this contested catch guy, but isn't Cedric Tillman is that, that is kind of his calling card. So I think, I think he's got a role here. I think he's the number three. Um, I think he's able to show more than Donovan Peoples Jones. I think that's really where he slots in proves this offense Elijah Moore I have his number two I really really like Elijah Moore's talent coming out of school and coming into this year um, I do think Anthony Schwartz is is kind of the guy I want to be the number four um, I don't know that that's true but as a speed guy they need a speed element to really stretch the field and they got to get Anthony Schwartz on the field he was injured most of last year um, if not all I'd like to see him do something as a second year talent. Next up, we've got Houston, wide receiver room, Robert Woods, Nico Collins, John Mechie, Tank Dell, Noah Brown, Xavier Hutchison, Steven Sims, Amari Rogers. Oh my god, this this room is a mess. I mean, there's talent here for sure, but we just don't know anything. Um, we know that Robert Woods was the wide receiver 59 last year. Nico Collins, wide receiver 77. Skipping a couple, Noah Brown, wide receiver 61. Almost as good as Robert Woods last year and better than Nico Collins. Um, A lot of injuries plagued all of these players. Steven Sims, 134 was his finish. Wide receiver 125 was Amari Amari Rogers, um, who actually came over from Green Bay Some decent, not, not decent draft capital, definitely a day three pick, but, um, there was some hope for him originally. Um, not so now, even though he's only 23, Steven Sims, he's kind of the, the end of the bench guy who's, who might not even make this roster. Noah Brown, I think is the guy that sneakily will be, you know, if anybody gets injured, Noah Brown's going to be the guy that, that really, um, steals the show. I think Robert Woods is a false is kind of fool's gold here. Um he's 31. He he's been injured the last few seasons more than we want him to be, um, which is I guess zero. Don't want him to be injured at all. Um, but I don't see Robert Woods really claiming this role as his own. Um and I don't think they want him to. I think he's the experienced guy in this room to train the other ones. He's he's a little bit more of that selfless guy that that run blocker. Um so we might see him really helping in the run game. Um but that I do think he stays on the field, uh, which is is what kind of scares me. I think he I think he finishes as at the very least the number three guy on this team. I do I do see Nico Collins and John Mechie as players that are in In a good spot to have an opportunity here. Um, But I do think Nico Collins, I think we've seen Nico Collins and we've learned that it's not good enough. What were we able to see last year? We saw Nico Collins in 2022. So we saw a five-game stretch at the beginning of the season. He reached, he capped at 81% of uh, snaps there and with a high of 11.7 points. He had one more game, three three missed games um but his highest finish over the year was wide receiver 21 on a week. Really it, you know that was 10 catches or sorry five receptions on 10 um targets. You know, he was really only catching about half the balls thrown his way. I think we see Nico Collins as as the fifth guy uh, on this roster Of course that makes it So there's three slots We still have to figure out um, I think Noah Brown Is our number four And then I think Somebody disappoints here Um, Amari Rogers Steven Sims Are the guys I'm counting out Um, Not even going to rank them Because I don't think Their roles are big enough So we've still got The two rookies Xavier Hutchinson Tank Dell um, And then we've got John Mechie Who was out all last year he he found out that he had you know an illness um leukemia and so he he dealt with that last year and then um before that he was coming off of a torn acl as well so he had time to rest up from the torn acl while hopefully um fully recovering from leukemia where are we at he is already participating fully in in phase 1 it's looking like he's going to be, going to be the top dogs here. Um, I, I do think, I do think Mechie is is our number one guy. I think he finally steps into that role. We do have a different group here in terms of coaches than than started, but I think John Mechie surprises and, and comes out of the woodwork. He's only twenty two. He's actually the youngest out of these guys that are kind of having their rookie campaign, theoretically, if you count him, you know, red shirting last year. And then Tank Dell, I think is, I think is that number two guy. Um, he's very small. He was a third round pick, but I see him as an exciting talent. Um, I think he's going to do really well for this team. Really surprised he tore up college. I think he can do that here in the NFL, but I think I, I leave it to the coach to figure that out as far as how he's gonna do it. But I do have a lot of hope for Tank Dell. Um, and at the very least he's he's gonna stick on this roster as a return guy. He he's also a return specialist. I think that also limits his upside in terms of stealing the number one role because he's he's gonna have that two part two part role. Xavier Xavier Hutchinson. I did like him coming out. He's the younger of him and Tank Dell. Um, his sixth round rookie pick, six two two o seven. I think he slots in here as the sixth guy. I think he's a little bit more of a developmental guy. He's a contested catch, um, which really, if you think about it, these other these other guys aren't there. They're not in that same in that same ballpark. Um, John is only 511 Robert woods is only six foot Nico Collins um, Nico Collins is that guy that that could be more of the he, he's actually the biggest one on the roster at 6 four um so I see Nico Collins and Xavier Hutchinson splitting that that big go up and get it type of role and uh and it, them being the fifth and the sixth wide receivers in this in this group. Now, what limits all of their ceilings is that, of course, rookie QB CJ Stroud is here. So, rookie Q quarterbacks don't tend to um, produce a plethora of uh, wide receivers in their in their first first year. Um, okay, Kansas City wide receiver room. We've got Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, Rashi Rice. Marquez Valdez Scantling, Richie James, Justin Ross, Justin Watson. All right, I let's start with snap percentages. I I took I took it from week seventeen last year because it's interesting. Kadarius Tony had thirty two percent, and he also had a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Sky Moore twenty five percent snap share in week seventeen. Rashi Rice is a rookie. Second rounder, decent size, six foot. And he's the slowest guy on this team, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, just to to help him be different, you know. Marcus Valdez-Scantling's a speed guy. He had an 83% snap share in week 17 last year. Richie James came over from New York Giants, 79% snap share in week 17 on the Giants. Of course, Um, Justin Ross did nothing last year, which was his rookie year. Justin Watson, thirty seven percent snap share in week seventeen. I don't know that these actually add up to the right number, um, but you know what? We don't make the we don't make the stats here. So, what are we really looking at? What are we really talking about here? I think Kadarius to Tony. We think he did more last year than he really did. Um, Sky Moore's year two wide receiver. He was it was it talent coming out of school? A lot of hype around him. I think I think he does better than we expect. I you, the thing we got to remember here is that it, there's two things, I guess. Patrick Mahomes is throwing the ball, so we're talking about three thousand yards for the wide receiver room. About the running backs will catch a lot of passes, as will the tight ends, and really by the tight ends I mean Travis Kelsey. So. 3,000 though is much better than what a lot of the rookies are going to be throwing, a lot better than what we're going to see out of Deshaun Watson, probably. So, this is a productive room still. And I view the number one here. I think, I think when we're talking about the number one on this team, we're not talking about somebody that dominates the rest. I think we're talking about who gets the largest piece of a pretty even pie. I think the ball gets spread around here. I do think Sky Moore leads the room. I think he's going to be uh, closely, Kadarius Tony is going to be closely behind him, followed by Rashi Rice in kind of that possession receiver role, and then Marquez Valdez-Scantling in that speed role. I think the others we don't really care about, But I don't know that the differences are that much here um, where where none of these guys are a um, a valuable investment. I think any of these four are worth a dart throw. Philadelphia Eagles running back room is our next scenario here or our next uh, room to look at. Rashad Penny... 27 years old, DeAndre Swift, 24, Kenneth Gainwell, 24, Boston Scott, 28, Trey Sermon, 28, or sorry, Trey Sermon, 24, Kennedy Brooks, 24, Trey Sermon, Kennedy Brooks, the other guys I'll write off here. The other four will be involved, and that's my problem. Um, and then we also have Jalen Hurts rushing for over 700 yards last year, 13 touchdowns on the ground. My issue here is that we probably have a cap as far as how much this room is going to produce. My favorite guy on this room, if he stays healthy, is, of course, Rashad Penny. Um, he's got six-plus yards per carry each of the last two years. That's the best among running backs by far um, in this room. He had eight touchdowns in the last two years. Um, that's not great. So hopefully that comes around a little bit. DeAndre Swift, one of my favorite guys when he came out, uh, but he's never had more than six hundred twenty yards in in the last three years. Never more than fourteen games and fourteen games played. These two guys cannot stay healthy. Um, you look at Boston Scott. He's twenty eight year old. He's the oldest guy on this roster. Over two hundred yards each of the last three seasons, but never more than three hundred seventy-five, and he did have ten touchdowns over the last two years. So I think, I think he's always going to be involved. He's always going to be poaching touchdowns. Then you also have Kenneth Gainwell. Um, he's twenty-four years old, less than three hundred yards each of the last two seasons, but nine in the in the same time frame. I think our lead back here is DeAndre Swift. Um, And that's not because Rashad Penny at number two is not the better running back. That's because Penny, I feel, is going to be injured. Swift may get injured as well, but I think he stays out there longer. Um, We've just seen more from DeAndre Swift in terms of um, being able to keep it together. I think... Kenneth Gainwell really earns that number three spot, and Boston Scott brings up the Rio number four. Um, This is probably hopeful thinking. This is kind of how I'd like it to stack up. If it doesn't, uh, you know, I think Boston Scott is a guy to keep around on your roster to see if you can't snag some of those weeks where somebody else is injured, Boston Scott goes in and takes over the game. Chicago wide receiver room. These guys are third to last. Um, We're talking about DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, Tyler Scott, Dante Pettis, Bayless Jones, Equinemius St. Brown. To give you guys some context, Justin Fields only had 150 passing yards per game um, last year. Comparing that back to Deshaun Watson, that's less than Deshaun Watson by 30 yards. I do think that goes up. I think he's going to have more around him and therefore more that he can do. I really like Deshaun uh Darnell Mooney and DJ Moore in this offense. I think I think those two guys pair very well together. DJ Moore as that primary guy, um, really that possession wide receiver. He can work at all levels of the field, really take on that double team. And then Darnell Mooney blazing speed up the side really Catching those deep balls, um, playing more to his strengths. I do think DJ Moore is the number one here, and then Darnell Mooney is the close number two with, with some good touchdowns, some long, long yards, large, large gains. I I don't think Chase Claypool really sticks. I will say that. Um, I think he he ends up being the number four guy, on this roster, which is still, still pretty good. I do think Tyler Scott takes over that slot role for the most part. He's 21 years old. He's a fourth rounder. I I like him to uh to really stick on this team and this is the guy that you know the coaching staff here chose um more so than uh, you know Chase Claypool they traded for but they didn't give up all that much. Darnell Mooney was probably was here before them. And D.J. Moore, they just traded for. So I think they invested in D.J. Moore. They'll feed D.J. Moore. And then and then Chase Claypool, I think, just disappoints. And I think that's why he falls off. And Darnell Mooney is the number two here. Carolina wide receiver room. Looking at Adam Thielen, 32 years old. D.J. Chark, 26 years old. Jonathan Mingo, the rookie, 22 years old. He's a second-round pick. Fifth wide receiver taken, Terrace Marshall, 22, LaVisca Chenault, 24 years old, and Shea Smith, 24. A lot of interesting names here, a lot of disappointment, a lot of many guys that <laughs> we kind of at times have always hoped that they're more than they are. Um, I don't think Adam Thielen falls lower than the third. Guy on this roster, I think I think that's kind of where he slots in. I think DJ Chark surprises us and takes over that one number one slot, with Jonathan Mingo as the number two, um, and then Terrace Marshall number four. Um, we might be surprised that Terrace Marshall actually does more than we expect. Visca Chanel as the number six guy, and and she Smith as the number five. I think she Smith is better. Than we imagine in Loz all unfortunately just can't keep it together. Um, I don't know that this room is all that valuable this year because Bryce young is a rookie um, will be the quarterback and as we said before rookie quarterbacks don't produce a lot of valuable uh, valuable wide receivers for fantasy football. Jonathan Mingo is is projected right now to be the number one wide receiver on this team i do think that ends up going to dj chart who's showed some at a few of his different stops and i think he finally puts it together and has a has a really good season to show to show for what what he's become final final team that we're going to talk about final wide receiver room deandre hopkins we're talking about arizona wide receiver room starting with deandre hopkins is he going to be there? I don't know. Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, Greg Dortch, Michael Wilson, Zach Pascal, Auden Tate. Some interesting names at the end of the bench. Um, Auden Tate I have liked over the years. He's a big guy, but I don't think he's all that relevant here. Certainly not more than Zach Pascal, who still probably isn't all that relevant. I, I like Zach Pascal and Greg Dorch. I think this wide receiver room is one of the strongest if they keep it together, because there's just so much to like here. Zach Pascal and Ray Dorch are those guys that, yeah, they're kind of just Jags, but they do what they're told. They, they, they're guys that if they're given the opportunity, they'll produce. I don't think they exceed expectations, but they, they do what's in front of them. They run their routes. They catch the ball. They do the simple things well and they stay on NFL rosters because of that. They're, they're kind of like those core guys. And, and that I think is good because if anybody gets injured, you slot them in and, and you're still rolling for the rest of the year. I don't think that Marquise Brown is a number one wide receiver. Um, I don't think he can carry a team. I think he's better off on the outside running those deep routes. Um, I think he's, can do more than that but i don't think he needs to on this offense if they keep deandre hopkins which i like if they trade deandre hopkins i i that wouldn't be unexpected remember deandre hopkins had no games with more than 10 fantasy points when kyler wasn't on the field so if kyler doesn't start the year and if deandre hopkins is not traded I guess either way, DeAndre Hopkins might not be relevant when Kyler's not here. Probably the best thing for him is to be traded for his fantasy value. In terms of the other guys, I think DeAndre Hopkins needs to be traded for them to be relevant. So really, that trade would open up the door for anybody on this team to be fantasy relevant. Otherwise, DeAndre Hopkins is really a low-ceiling, high-floor, Type of guy for the remain in, until Kyler comes back. If we're thinking DeAndre Hopkins is here, he's obviously the number one. Marquise Brown is the clear number two here. I I do think this is where it gets interesting. We have Michael Wilson, Rondell Moore, Greg Dortch. I think if if DeAndre Hopkins Michael er, DeAndre Hopkins gets traded, Michael Wilson is the guy that I like to step up in that possession role, and then with Marquise Brown still in his in his role on the outside. Rondell Moore is going to be that starting slot guy. He's going to be the number three with Greg Dortch behind him and then Zach Pascal. Michael Wilson's role in this offense is basically the growth. He's had a lot of injury history, which isn't really good because all of these guys have have had a lot of injuries. It, I'm a little afraid that once he gets on the field, he'll show something and then he'll get injured. But yeah, um, I do really like Michael Wilson. And I think everybody's ceiling in this room is higher if DeAndre Hopkins gets traded. So let's all hope for that. Let's hope it's to the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at born football that's b o r n e football that's the weekly pod as dr chib likes to say choose happiness spread love